Well, good evening, Autumn Ridge Church. My name is Caleb Smith. I'm one of the pastors here. We're so glad that you are here worshiping with us this evening. Uh, I do want to go ahead and just talk about our all-in baptism event coming up on August 21st. Uh, in the seat backs in front of you, there are cards, and you are welcome to take one or multiples if you have people that you want to invite and bring to this baptism event. Uh, we have some signups at autumnridge.church. We absolutely need folks who can volunteer and give us a little bit of time while you're out there. But we also have a much more organized way of approaching the inflatable water park as we expect there will be more people. You can go right now, reserve your time at the water park. If you miss the next five minutes of the sermon, so be it. It's for the water park. So you definitely want to make sure you get on that. Um, but uh, what we really are focusing on with this event are a couple of things. One is that the body of Christ is larger than we sometimes like to believe. And so we are partnering with Christ Community Church in this endeavor as we celebrate baptisms. We're super excited about these type of moments, these type of moments where people are publicly identifying and declaring their allegiance to Jesus. It represents something that has happened already on the inside, and we want to be there to be a part of the moment when they declare it on the outside. Uh, and so we hope that you will come, that you will bring friends, family, and come and enjoy a time of being outside for those hours on that Sunday afternoon. And so kind of going along with this is our topic of baptism for this weekend. Because my guess is, is that many of us have uh, had a moment of baptism in our lives that we remember, or we've been told the moment of baptism because maybe it happened before we can remember things. But first, I want us to really look at what is water, because when we talk about baptisms, most of the time people think about water. I kind of think that there's like three types of water that we really need to be talking about. First is still water. And still water are those type of water that you may find in a pail or in the water bottle that you buy in the grocery store or at the gas station. Another type of water is moving water, water that moves over you, whether it's in the shower or in a river or stream or the ocean waves as it goes past you and it moves, moving water. And then there's a third type of water that I still really can't figure out the purpose of, but we drink a lot of it in our house and that's just LaCroix. <laughs> to be clear... This one's not found in scripture. It's just a part of our world. So, still water. See, still water and moving water do have purposes in scripture. If you go to the book of Leviticus and you begin to read about the purification steps and laws that were a part of the old covenant, you read about moments when they were instructed to take whatever it is that they were going to purify and they would dip it or baptize it into still water, water that was just sitting there. We also read in Psalm 23 that as the Lord is our shepherd, he leads us beside still waters. And that's because sheep are some of the most easily scared animals in the world. And apparently we are just like sheep. And so the father has to take us to still waters, to those parts of streams or rivers where water has gathered inside of some kind of a rock formation or plants and the water is not moving so as not to scare the sheep and the sheep can go to that water and drink and be restored. But then there's also moving water. And moving water has a whole nother idea in the scriptures. Moving water is actually pretty much synonymous with things that are chaotic. 
You have uh, Noah and his boat that he built. And what does he do? He's on top of the chaotic moving waters as the Lord saves he and his family. And then you have the waters that the Israelites, as they come out of Egypt and they come out of slavery, they get to the Red Sea and they are then trapped between the Red Sea and the Egyptian army bearing down on them and they have nowhere to go. And the moving water of the Red Sea is chaotic to them and they don't know what to do and the Lord, the God of all, provides a miracle and he holds back the waters and the people are able to pass through on dry land. Or you have the people after Moses has died and they're getting ready to enter into the promised land. Joshua takes the Ark of the Covenant with the priests and has them stand in the river with the Ark and the waters separate again, but this time in the Jordan River so that the people can walk through on dry ground. And then we come to Jesus at around the age of 30 who himself walks into that same Jordan River that same water that is moving, and he is baptized. But he is not baptized for the repentance of sins. He is baptized as the commissioning of this ministry that he is getting ready to engage in publicly throughout the region on the steps towards being the savior of all. But see, there's also moving water that was a part of the culture of that day in Jesus' day where especially Gentiles, sometimes Jews, but always those who were not Jews, before they could enter Jerusalem and the temple, they had to be baptized. They had to go into moving water to have all of the yuckiness that was being a non-Jew wash off of them and away from them before they could enter into the temple. Water has a deep significance in the scriptures. And so Jesus, after he's been baptized, he is beginning his ministry, and he finds himself having a conversation with a man named Nicodemus. And there, it's, it's under the cover of darkness. There, there, there's somewhere private where Nicodemus can't be found and can't be seen talking with Jesus because Jesus is starting to cause a lot of problems because he's like preaching about the kingdom of God and he's healing people and he's performing miracles. And Nicodemus wants to meet with them and says, so I'm not understanding this whole thing about what it is that you're here to do and how all of this fits in with everything that we have always believed about God. And Jesus says, well, in order to see the kingdom of heaven, you have to be born again. And Nicodemus, being a very, very smart man, rightly asks the question, so how is it that someone who is old is supposed to enter back into their mother's womb? And Jesus says, well, to be born again is to be born of water and of spirit. Being born of water is not the water of baptism. It is the, it is the water that happens in birth. Being born of the spirit is the moment that you believe in Jesus as the Son of God and as the Savior of the world and the Holy Spirit enters into you and indwells you and cleanses you from the inside out. And Jesus, if you are a believer, has made his home inside of you. You are a walking temple of God. That's what it is to be born again. 
And so then the question comes, well, what is this whole business of baptism? This going into the water, this being cleansed, why do we have that as a practice? And it's because we need this public demonstration, this moment of being able to say to those around us, I have believed. You can mark me as someone who trusts in Jesus, who has given my allegiance to him. And as we're going to look at and talk about here this evening, it is a demonstration of what it means to be a follower of his. Our mission statement here at Autumn Ridge Church is to lead people to be fully devoted followers of Jesus. And taking the step of baptism is a part of being fully devoted follower. What I want us to do first is to look at the scripture that I think captures what baptism signifies in the best way possible. And so if you have a Bible or if you have your phone and it has the Bible app on it, turn to Romans chapter 6. I also want to mention that if you do not own a Bible, there are Bibles in the seat backs. You are welcome to take one of them. You will not be stopped for stealing, I promise. We want everyone to have a copy because this is how much we believe in what these words say. Romans chapter 6, the Apostle Paul writes this, to believers in Rome, mostly those who are not Jewish, who are trying to understand what it is to not be under condemnation of sin, but to live into the freedom that there is in Christ. And Paul says, what shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? By no means. We are those who have died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? Or don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. For if we have been united with him in a death like his, we will certainly also be united with him in a resurrection like his. For we know that our old self was crucified with him so that the body ruled by sin might be done away with. That we should no longer be slaves to sin because anyone who has died has been set free from sin. Now, if we died with Christ... We believe that we will also live with him. For we know that since Christ was raised from the dead, he cannot die again. Death no longer has mastery over him. The death he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. In the same way, in the same way of everything that I have just written to you, Christians in Rome, in every way that baptism into Christ is a signifier and you participating in the burial and death and in the raising and the resurrection of Jesus, in the same way, count yourselves dead to sin but alive to God in Christ Jesus. December of 1979, First Presbyterian Church of Murfreesboro, Tennessee. I was six months old. 
And that's where I was baptized as a baby. My family and I grew up in the Presbyterian church. My father is a pastor in that denomination and still in the Presbyterian church. And so they absolutely valued infant baptisms. First Presbyterian Church of Murfreesboro would have been the place that my family felt the most connected to because at least in the Presbyterian tradition, you go to the church and you are baptized in the church where you feel the strongest connection of community. And though we were living in Chicago at the time because my dad was in seminary, this was the church where my parents met while my mom served as the director of Christian education. So naturally for them, this was the church that they felt like was their home church. So during Christmas, going and visiting my dad's extended family in Murfreesboro, I was baptized that December. For the next 18 years of my life, we went to church almost like you breathe. It just happens. You don't really think about it too much. You just kind of go and you just kind of participate. And there were different moments, depending on what church we were at at the time, about why I was participating. When I was in, when I was in first grade, it was because there was a really great outdoor playground. When I was nine and 10, it was because we had a great indoor gym. Between the ages of 11 and, and 17, it was uh, all about the really cute girl that I thought might be there every single time I was there and the free donuts, so bonus, bonus. <laughs> but not once during those 18 years did I ever make a decision for myself to believe in Jesus. I went along with it. And there's more to the story that I might share at another time, but suffice this to say, I enter my freshman year in college at a Baptist school, mind you, because they offered me a soccer scholarship and I figured that'd make my parents happy. And it was in February of my freshman year when I was literally brought to my knees in understanding that the God of all creation was real, that Jesus is his representation here on this earth, fully God and fully man, that he died for my sins, that he rose from the dead, and that everything that I was white knuckle gripping that I needed to keep control of, I finally opened my hands. I finally opened my hands and said, Jesus, I can't do this. And though I don't know what the future looks like, I know that I can trust you. Now, for the next 14 years, I fought the idea of baptism. I fought it hard, mainly because, you know, when, when you give your life to Christ, it's not like all of the bad habits that you have all of a sudden disappear and go away, right? My really bad habit was just a really, really enjoying arguing with people. It's probably why I thought I was going to be a lawyer to start things out. But because I really loved arguing with the people, I really loved, especially at a Baptist school, digging those heels in the ground and being like, y'all are crazy. And so then we went and we served in Presbyterian churches in youth ministry, my wife and I. And it wasn't until the fourth church that we were at when I was able to get into a community of faith that said something new that I had never really heard before. 
Because see, the way that I was living my life, even with Jesus, was that I saw life as a ladder to climb. I saw a life with God as a ladder to climb, that, that I would have these steps, and, and this is kind of the problem with American culture, is that we think of steps in a linear fashion. And we think about, we think about how we can get better at something as something that is on a path from here where it's bad to over there where it's good. And so there were these rungs that I had to climb, and sometimes I knew what the next rung was, and sometimes I didn't, but some, at some point, magically, all of a sudden, I would get to the point to where I had read my Bible enough, and I had prayed enough, and I had maybe gotten baptized, or that was the one I was fighting against, but I became a member of the church, and I served and did all these things. I mean, I even worked at the church, right? And, and then somehow, magically, this ladder would all of a sudden appear, and God would like me. But it took this community of faith in northern Louisiana. There was a, a seven-year-old church when I got there at the time to be the youth pastor, and I had not been baptized as a believer yet. But they were planted out of five families who came from a Presbyterian background and five families who came from a Baptist background. I'm sure there were lots of great discussions that they had early on. But what they agreed on was that they were not going to require baptism to be a member of the church, but they would only teach believers baptism as a step in someone's discipleship, as a moment of saying, well, what is it that God is trying to challenge you with about this? It was never a, here's what you have to do in order for God to like you more, or here's what you have to do in order that when you die, you might be closer to Jesus than other people. It was all about allegiance. It was all about submission. It was all about what does it look like to give up control of what you think is right and to allow Jesus to speak into it. And so then I began to think about life differently. It was no longer this ladder that had to be climbed. Instead, it's a, like a circle, like we all, our life is just a circle because it, it simply is with God. Whether you believe in Jesus tonight or not, God loves you. And whether you believe in Jesus or not tonight, God has been working in moments in your life to bring you into a place where you would acknowledge him as Lord and Savior. And when that happens, all of a sudden, the light shines into the darkness And a life with Christ all of a sudden simply has moments. You have moments of what does it mean if I, if I engage in prayer in this way? What does it look like to engage in prayer in a way that, is, that shows a, 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 a deeper allegiance to Jesus or, or shows a way in which I'm submitting even further to him? And it's not because of him liking you more or less. It's because of him saying you have to die with me. You have to carry the cross with me. And you will be lifted up. You will be strengthened. You will be encouraged. You will rise up on wings of eagles. And for me, 
I white-knuckled as a believer the idea of baptism because I only saw it as this thing that was put before me that if I didn't do it, God didn't like me as much as he liked everybody else. And finally, I decided to let go. April of 2012, we'd spent three and a half years at this church. It was the fourth church that we had worked at. Unfortunately, it was the fourth church, but thankfully it was the first church who intentionally poured into myself and my family, who said, we believe that you are fit for ministry. We want to be a part of the journey with you. We want to help give you the training. We want to help give you the encouragement. We want to help give you the discipleship. And through honest conversations with the very loving folks at the Bridge Community Church in Ruston, Louisiana, I finally released that grip on baptism. And I remembered that what I actually needed in my life was the experience of being taken into the burial just like Jesus did and being raised up to new life and demonstrating that for everybody else to see. It is the public statement. It is a public declaration. The water on the outside does nothing to change you on the inside. As a church, we practice things like baptism and communion, the Lord's Supper, and just by eating the bread and drinking the juice, it doesn't change anything on the inside. It's a remembering and a representation of what it means to join in the fellowship of Christ. And baptism becomes that challenge into each of our lives. And my guess is there's three types of people in this room. We can group everybody into three categories. The first are those of you who are believers and who have been baptized as a believer. And my hope is, is that what a message like this does for you is it encourages you. It, it confirms your faith. It confirms the steps that you have taken in your discipleship. It confirms all of those moments that are in your circle of life. But hopefully also it challenges you and maybe a way in your life in which you are white knuckling something and you need to open your hand and submit to Christ. For those of you who are not believers, don't even worry about baptism. Our deepest desire, and we would beg of you, you don't have to understand it all, but give your allegiance to Jesus. Just take the step of saying, I, God, I don't understand it, and there's a lot of questions I've got, but if this is real, I want to be a part of it. So I am going to trust in you that you are wanting to help, that you are the Savior. But the third group is probably those of us who are believers, but were baptized as infants. And maybe you've never taken the step of being baptized as a believer. All I can do is share with you my story. What I cannot do is say that there's something magical about this moment, because there's not.
But there's an honoring that takes place of what is the purpose of each of these moments in our lives. So, what is the purpose of baptism? Submission. It is a public display of following Jesus. There's all of these other ways that you can display that. It's through your actions. It's through your words. It's through the ways that you interact with people. All of these things can display publicly that you are following Jesus. But the thing that we can't get around is that Scripture seems to be fairly clear that going into the water and then coming out is the public display that we should take after we have believed. It identifies us. It marks us for the community to see. Second purpose of baptism is alignment. It's an outward expression of an inward reality. And we talk a lot about people who seem two-faced. Seems like they, they say one thing and then they do something else. You ever hear your parents say that? Don't do what I do, do what I say. That's not helpful. Thankfully, Jesus doesn't say that. Thankfully, Jesus says, listen to what I say and do what I say and do what I do. And so baptism shows alignment outward expression of the inward reality of the change that has happened of the Holy Spirit entering into us and cleansing us from the inside out. The third thing is that baptism gives us community. It gives us a connection to the body of Christ. But please understand me, it's, again, it's not in the way of like this confirms that you are now a part of the body of Christ or that now the Holy Spirit is with you or that now you're saved. No, it actually harkens all the way back to that moment in my life at six months old when I was baptized as a baby. What were my parents doing in that moment? They were taking me in front of a community of faith and they were saying to everyone around, you are witnesses that we as parents are dedicating him to the Lord and that we promise to raise him in a home that believes and follows Jesus. And so for all of you who are watching, as he is baptized, Whenever you hear us say it's getting hard and we don't know what to do, or whenever you see us do anything where you wonder if that is the best way in which to demonstrate Jesus to our children, you are allowed to speak into our lives. You are allowed to hold us accountable. You are allowed to come to us and say, hey, we, we know it's hard right now, but remember this moment of baptism of your child when you said you would raise him as a follower. It's the same idea that actually happens with weddings. As you know that the wedding ceremony actually doesn't make you married. The point of the wedding ceremony and probably even more clearly is like the party that happens afterwards. The bride and groom walk in and ladies and gentlemen, Mr. and Mrs. and everybody stands up and cheers, right? What's the point of that moment? It's that there are witnesses around to say, we are here for this grand celebration, for this moment of the commitment that the two of you have made together before God. 
And we are here to be witnesses of that. So when things get tough and when you don't know what to do, that you can come to us and we will remind you and say, do you remember your wedding? Do you remember the promise? And so in the same way, being baptized as a believer is a moment of declaring to the community of faith, not only am I in, but this is a witness for you that whenever things get hard for me, you can come to me and say, I know it's hard right now. I know it seems like God may not be there. I know it feels like God is far from you, that he's ignoring you. But do you remember your baptism? Do you remember when you publicly declared that you were with Jesus? So we need these road markers in our life to sustain us, to encourage us, to keep us on that pathway with him. Again, to be clear, baptism does not bring us closer to Jesus. But it publicly identifies us with him and his way. If you have been born again, and if you have not taken the step of believer's baptism, we want to be the community of faith to rally around you and to be put on the best party that we can think of so that as you go into the water, and representative, you die with Christ and then you are raised with him into new life. That we can have a loud celebration. That we can join into community and connection with you. And that we can celebrate what God has already done on the inside.